Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Brad Whipple. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of From a Certain Point of View, our interview series where we chat with the creators and those involved in the galaxy far, far away. Our guest today is a new author in the Star Wars universe as of this summer. Her previous work includes the Heroin Complex series, as well as a variety of short fiction and comic books. Within Star Wars, she most recently penned the Dr. Aphra audiobook original from Delray Publishing, so I'm super excited to welcome Sarah Kuhn to the show. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Friends of the Force from a Certain Point of View. So happy to be joined by the author of Dr. Afra, an audiobook original, Sarah Kuhn. Sarah, how is it going today? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And, and as, I, as I told you before we started, Dr. Afra, the, the audiobook, has just been such a a blessing in so many ways for for Star Wars fans, whether they're new to Afra or familiar with her. But I think it was just such a there was such a great conversation happening around this character and the production quality and the story and everything is just so so amazing. So congratulations on on writing your first Star Wars story and and really joining that kind of that universe of writers. Thank you very much. How have you seen the reception of the book and what's it been like to finally put those words out into the to the universe and and, and see everybody get so excited over it. Oh, I mean, it's extremely cool. I don't see how it could be anything but that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really great. It's lovely to hear from people. Um, I have really enjoyed hearing from both people who were big fans of hers, you know, ever since she was introduced, and also some people who are coming into it fresh. So it's really cool to see both perspectives. And I know you've you've talked a little bit about your history with Star Wars. I know you were on the San Diego Comic-Con at home panel, um, which was a lot of fun. But can you speak a little more to your, your personal history with Star Wars? And I, and I know specifically Princess Leia had a tremendous impact on you, on you growing up. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I love, I've loved Star Wars pretty much. It feels like for as long as I've been alive, it's just been part of my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, Princess Leia was certainly a very iconic figure in my childhood and, you know, now as well. And I think it was just really cool to see a woman with such power and agency and swaggering bravado um, at the center of the kinds of stories that I really loved, which were these, you know, big epic fantasy stories um Mm. that was really important growing up so yeah star wars has kind of been with me for as long as i can remember it's really great and to you know to add to the likes of of princess leia with it with a dr afra even though she was created before you you wrote the audiobook original you in some ways you you really at you know adapted her her true voice and we got to hear it for the first time and what those words would actually sound like especially much of her of her inner dialogue and her inner chaotic thoughts <laughs> and she she is a ball of chaos that's the, yeah. like the best way i can describe her but looking at your your career and growing up as a star wars fan did star wars play like a, a pretty large role in 
leading you to the the career that you wanted to follow? I know originally you started in the entertainment industry and you were um, writing for different publications, but um, what were some of the challenges navigating that landscape in particular and then deciding to make the transition to publishing? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I think that certainly Star Wars was part of leading me there. I mean, I was primarily an entertainment journalist and I wrote a lot about, um, for lack of a better term, nerd stuff. Um, and, you know, it was a lot of the stuff that I really loved growing up. So Star Wars was certainly part of that. Um, uh, there was a big moment when I was at uh, Backstage, which was kind of my last journalism day job. It's an actor's trade magazine. And I actually got to interview Carrie Fisher. Um, and it was over the phone because I think she was, um, well, I don't know if she was in a galaxy far, far away, but she was, I think, in a, <laughs> a different country. So it was, that was really a thrill. That felt like, you know, a big full circle moment just to get to talk to her and kind of tell her what, uh, what she had meant to me. And I, I really treasure that memory. And, you know, I mean, as far as uh, challenges, I guess it was kind of the same as, you know, the challenges I faced everywhere, which is existing in the world as a woman of color is very difficult sometimes. And, uh, you know, that certainly spills over into pretty much every industry I've ever been part of. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as uh, transitioning into fiction you know i was always a writer um it was always something i loved and always something i wanted to do uh but when i was younger you know i had a pretty um pretty typical japanese american tiger mom and you know she really wanted me to have a job where i had health insurance and was at least a little bit secure so i never really saw fiction writing or you know creative writing as something that I could pursue. It just didn't seem like a real job. Um, and I guess some people would, you know, still say that it's not. Uh, but <laughs> I, it took me a long time to get there. And it wasn't really until, you know, I had been doing journalism for a long time. And I had kind of always written stories, you know, going back to elementary school. And um, I guess like the big sort of transitional moment was I was working on um, this kind of just for fun website uh, and a little zine with some friends called Alert Nerd. And it was kind of just about all the geeky stuff that we liked. And uh, we started um, this PDF zine that went along with the website. And it was just kind of, you know, whatever we wanted to do. And I wrote um, a serialized story for that called One Con Glory that was basically uh, rom-com set at Comic-Con. And it was about a girl who was pursuing a very, very sought after action figure and kind of all the complications she goes through trying to get there. And that was, you know, just something I wrote for fun. I kind of just wrote it for my friends and myself. And it kind of ended up taking off. Um, it was really cool. It was kind of like, you know, a lot of the nerd girls, I think, who prior to that had mostly seen themselves as stories as sidekicks and love interests and, you know, very disposable, very in the background, um, were, I felt, I think they felt very seen to sort of see themselves in the story as a protagonist. And that was certainly something that, I had always wanted and that I thought was cool. And so I wrote it and um, yeah, I kind of ended up getting a bit of a following after that and everything sort of went from there. 
it, it makes sense too because you know you you lead right into your your heroine complex series which you know is about this this superhero taking on all these different threats and she's really at you know Eve, uh, Evie is at the front of the story uh, what was it like to to really jump into that that writing and kind of launch this this long series of, of books that you're you're continuing to write yeah I mean that was you know really cool as well uh that was kind of like you know I wanted to write something longer I wanted to write something that was actual novel links one con glory ended up being you know basically novella length uh, once we put it all together and I wanted to write a story that was kind of like the stories I had grown up loving, which, you know, are fantasy, science fiction, superheroes, like all of these fantastical things. And uh, the reason, so Evie, um, who is, you know, the protagonist of the first book and then a big character through the rest of the series, um, she has my same racial background. She's half Japanese and half white, mixed race, Asian American. And um, I guess, like, I think I, I always wish this story was better or braver or something, but it's really not. It's just that uh, when One Con Glory started getting some traction, everybody asked me or just assumed that that character was Asian because I am. And I hadn't really thought of her that way because I still had not really come around to the idea that someone like me could be centered in a story that wasn't about racism. Um, I still had sort of those, um, that narrow vision that a lot of us have that's very self-rejecting, just that, you know, we can't be main characters in a story unless mm -hmm. it's, you know, about something bad. Um, so I just thought that character was white. And then I was really surprised that everybody, you know, a lot of other people thought that wasn't the case and thought I had basically written uh, fan fiction about myself. So uh, when I was thinking of these characters for Heroin Complex, you know, I was like, okay, I have this idea. What if um, instead of following the, the superheroine, we're basically following her assistant. We're following the person who has to clean up after her and take care of all these messes and sort of the mundane business of being a superhero that you usually don't, don't see on screen or on the page. And when I was sort of figuring out, okay, who is this character? Um, I was like, well, I might as well make her Asian American because everybody's going to think that anyway. And why not just have it from the start, which I think is, you know, again, not the best story, but that's what I did. And it was really only when I was writing that story that I was kind of like, wow, this feels really cool. This feels kind of special to, to finally have these, this sort of fun superhero like really over the top genre story <laughs> that stars you know asian american women that's that's pretty cool and unfortunately kind of rare so um when i really got into it that's when it started to feel you know i guess empowering instead of just a decision i made <laughs> based off of something else that was you know a little bit off the cuff and not necessarily something I thought about a lot, but um, I've been very honored to and touched to hear from readers that that has made them feel seen to sort of have this character who's at the forefront and, you know, all the main characters in those books are pretty much awesome women of color. Most of them are Asian American and, you know, they're on the covers, like they are depicted accurately. The cover artist for that series is Jason Chan. He does a great job. And so it's nice to sort of feel like I'm writing something that is an expression of something that I have always wanted, 
and that makes me feel seen, it's, it's nice to hear from other people that it makes them feel that way as well. Mm -hmm. Thinking about Star Wars too, in that light, when you look at a character like Dr. Afra, that is a character that many people will, will feel seen by, right? Yeah. And I think too, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, of Asian characters finally being brought into the Star Wars universe. Like you have Rose Tico, who I'm like the biggest fan of. I love Kelly Marie Tran so yeah. much. Um, you have Donnie Yen, you have uh, Christopher Sean playing Kazuda Ziono on Star Wars Resistance, and you have Dr. Afra. And it's really great to see all these characters get added into the, the Star Wars universe. So being a Star Wars fan yourself and starting to see that representation come out in the story and realizing that now the kids growing up with Star Wars have these characters they can look to, like, how does that, how does that make you feel? Oh, I mean, it's really cool. It's not something I think that I ever thought I could hope for or something I even thought was in the realm of possibility. I was just so used to not being in those stories. I was so used to not seeing faces like mine in those stories ever. Um, and so to have that happen, you know, I think we're still kind of at the beginning of that. I, I mm -hmm. think there's still a long way to go, but I feel like it is at least starting to look like a more um, inclusive version of the, you know, that galaxy far, far away that a lot of us grew up loving, but didn't really see ourselves in. Um, I do remember the moment when uh, Jess Pava was, uh, popped on screen. And yes. I remember like that my friend and I, who, you know, she's also a mixed race Asian American. Um, we were like so excited. It was just sort of this immediate moment of seeing that was so amazing. And then of course our first thought was like, she's going to die because that's usually what happens. So the fact that she actually lived was super amazing. And, you know, that's a, that's a character who honestly doesn't have very much screen time, um, but that can still be so important just to see that, just to sort of see that existing in the universe. So I'm hoping we're moving more towards, you know, a, a world where that's still exciting, but also where some of these characters can really take center stage. And I think, that's what's always been so brilliant about Afra is she sort of demands to be the main character, even <laughs> when the comic is called Darth Vader. Like you really can't <laughs> take your eyes off of her. She is yeah. very centered. And if she's not, she does a good job of centering herself. So I think um, that's sort of the direction that I would love to see things move in. Yeah, it's so funny you bring up the idea of even though it's a Darth Vader comic, <laughs> it starts to feel yeah. like an Afro comic because she loves attention. She loves being the center of it. And I think you really get that across in the audio original because, it, I mean, it's obviously it's narrated by her and the first person and her version of things and her unreliability in many ways of telling those stories. But <laughs> she loves uh, she loves indulgence and she loves the uh, she loves the extremes. and. I think that really makes her such a lovable character and why so many people can attach themselves to her because she's she's chaotic. But what did it feel like when you finally found out you would be joining this project and getting to, as you've said, we're kind of in the beginning stages of, of that sort of representation in Star Wars and now you're helping to lead the charge by writing uh, an edition of Aphra's story? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Like, I I got that email, or I guess, like, first it was a phone call, and then it was an email, but um, it's just so exciting. You know, like, I think a lot of us who sort of finally get to write stories in this universe probably feel this way. It's such a part of our lives. It's part of our childhoods. It's 
part of, you know, the general fabric of pop culture. And um, it was just really cool to hear that. So I got a call from my agent and she said, you know, you have an offer, it's for Star Wars. And I barely heard anything else. But then when she said, and it's for Afra, that was just so perfect. It felt like it was so meant to be, you know, if there was a character I could choose for myself, it probably would have been her. Um, so yeah, it was just really cool. I mean, I don't even know if I have the words to describe like what that feeling is like, um, but just the idea that you're gonna get to add something to the canon to sort of, you know, this whole pop culture experience that we're all part of was very cool. And the, the beautiful thing too about storytelling, at least from, from my point of view, is you can go into it with certain expectations and come out of it completely shocked or changed in a way that you never thought you could be. So based on your familiarity with Dr. Afra going into this writing process and then coming out of it, um, how, how did that familiarity with, with Dr. Afra kind of influence the way in which the story evolved throughout the process, but also like what, what new things did you take away from the character as a result of that process? Um, well, I think like the sort of the big new thing here was just that it was introducing her in a new medium and, you know, perhaps to some people who didn't know who she was or just knew that she was a character from the comics. And, you know, that certainly to me felt like a big responsibility. And I was glad I had that familiarity. I did reread all of the comics and, you know, even the ones that we didn't base this story on just to kind of get her rhythm and her voice in my head and to sort of see what maybe I thought was missing. Um, and I think, you know, some of the new things I guess I came away with were just like, I, I felt like because of the audio medium and because this was, we were in her head the whole time, we were very firmly in her POV, um, I was able to explore some of her vulnerability maybe a little bit more. Um, that, that felt like, you know, something that has definitely been touched on in the stories that she has already been in, but I felt like that was like such a big opportunity to sort of get to explore like what is underneath all of this bravado and all of this swagger that she's so good at conveying. Like obviously that is an important part of her personality, but mm -hmm. um, I knew there must be a lot more happening that had already been kind of talked about and hinted about um, in the comics. So that was really, um, I don't know if fun is the word, <laughs> because <laughs> so, you know, when she's talking about, when she's talking about that stuff, a lot of it is actually, you know, pretty, pretty sad. Like it's pretty deep stuff. Yeah. Of a, kind of a sad place um, <laughs> where she has to actually admit that, you know, people matter to her and maybe she matters to other people. And I think for her, like, as we've seen in, in some of the comic stories as well, that's always very hard for her to do. So um, that was like just the kind of thing that is, for a writer is so exciting to get your, to get to sink your teeth into. And um, it was also fun to kind of look at that story, like uh, me and uh, my editor at Delray, Elizabeth Schaefer, like reread re the comics and kind of like figured out, okay, what's here? What's missing? What are some things that we could add to make this seem like, you know, it really is her story since, you know, even though she did, she was very, very, very prominent part of these comics, they are still called Darth Vader. And um, how can we sort of bring all of this together so it's a cohesive whole and it really introduces her in a way that you don't need any prior knowledge for. 
Um, and there were a lot of things that I think we kind of added into it and enhanced, but the main thing for me was the, the relationship with Son of Staros, which is a big part of the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that I had always been interested in. And I guess that's sort of the fun part of like, when they ask you to write Star Wars and you're already a fan, and you know, they might still say no, but it's, it's your opportunity to kind of say like, hey, this is something I've always been curious about. Can I explore this? Um, right. And in this case, they said yes. So that was really great. Um, but I thought that was, you know, that was like a cool thing to explore because I always love writing romance. A lot of my books are somewhere in the romance genre. And um, I thought that relationship was particularly interesting because they're both, you know, they're both really cool characters. They're such badasses in different ways. But a lot of what we've seen seen from them on the page is the aftermath when they really hate each other. You know, they're not in that relationship anymore. And Sana really wants to kill Afra. You can tell there's a lot of bitterness <laughs> and a lot Some of pent up energy after a bit. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, I kind of wanted to explore like what was this like before because you can tell from the way they they act towards each other and the way that they interact that there was something there that was actually quite important um even if afro would never admit that uh so i was like well what does that look like like what does it look like when this sort of you know human ball of chaos tries to court someone what does it look like when she likes someone um and of course we we've seen some of that as well in uh in her relationships in her relationship in the comics with uh magna um Yes. Because we'd only seen the aftermath with Sana, I wanted to kind of explore what their their before was. And that was kind of the, the big question mark heading into the this release because we haven't had, at least to my knowledge, anything that's been turned from a comic into an audiobook and retold in this way. And so my question was how you know, how will it differ? How what will be the what will be the X factor that's not necessarily explored upon in the Darth Vader comics? And it was that romance. And I'm sure it's, it's very much inspired by some of what you've done with heroin complex. Cause I know you, you refer to those often as romanticies, but yeah. I think it goes back to Afra, Afra's vulnerability. Like you mentioned, that's a side of her we've never really explored. And I think it's continued to get explored in the recent comics, yeah, especially sure. in the timeline after this story takes place in some of the, the Simon Spurrier series and now the Alyssa Wong series as well. Love is really kind of at the core of, of Afra's weaknesses, I think. Love for, from family and kind of her dealings with that growing up, as well as love for Sana Staros and what that looks yeah. like. And, and is she going to reject that love or is she going to kind of let it into her life and not really see it as a weakness? But I, I, yeah. I love that vulnerability because it makes her human. Yes, very much so. With with love being such a, a central point of the story, like why why do you think this was the right moment to write uh, in that framework of of a romance? And did you look to any other romances either within Star Wars or outside of Star Wars that helped to inspire your writing as you built these two characters' chemistry together? Well, I don't know if there's anything that I took like direct inspiration for I, or from. I mean, I'm certainly you know a very regular romance reader. I love romance of all subgenres. Um, and, uh, you know, I love Star Wars. So what, what, what could be better than those two things together? Um, when I was younger, I, I, and, and I guess still now, you know, I, I certainly imprinted on 
Han and Leia. That was like, that was sort of a formative romance for me. I watched those scenes a lot and I read them mm -hmm. a lot in the novelizations. Um, and that's kind of your classic, like, hate to love, you know, it's very, you know, there's a lot of banter, like it's, it's very, like, perfectly done and is a, sort of a perfect representation of that trope. And here I don't know if I was really thinking of it in terms of like, is there a trope or is there like, you know, something I'm trying to like get across here. It was more about those characters and it was really about Afra um, and what would kind of lead her to, you know, have these feelings, like how those feelings played into the whole story, how they play into the framing device of like how she, you know, she's making this recording and we don't really know why at first. And a lot of that just came out of thinking about the bigger story, you know, like, um, I think the, there's that great line that, that Kieran Gillen wrote for her that's something like, the way I've lived, I know I'm lucky to be alive. And I felt like that was really the key to her, uh, unlocking that and, and figuring out like, okay, this person is like, so chaotic. She's so, you know, she runs towards all of these, this danger and all of these thrills and she doesn't really think about it a lot. She just kind of does what feels good. But at the same time, she obviously has this really hardwired in survival instinct. Um, she, she actually does want to live. And those two things are often in direct opposition to each other. They're very much in conflict. Um, so I was sort of asking myself this question of like, what would be like, what is, what is that moment like when someone sort of realizes, like, I keep talking about, you know, how I, I'm, I put myself in these dangerous situations and I know I'm going to die soon and I don't really <laughs> care, but actually I do care. And actually I do really like living and I do want to do that. Um, so <laughs> it's a balance. All, yeah, Balancing like, act, why? yeah. <laughs> like why, why do I, why do I feel that way in this moment? But also like, what are the regrets I would have? And for Afra, I thought one of those regrets would have to be Sana because she, you know, I, I think that it's kind of hinted at in the in the comic, if maybe not fully explored, but I felt like there was kind of this idea that Sana just outright wanting to kill her and not even really looking at her and sort of like being being so obviously hurt by her even with with who Afra is and how flippant she tries to act, I felt like, well, that I think that would that would bother her. Like she would sort of want to she would want Sana to know that, you know, that she did care, that this did matter, that there was something to this. Um, so it kind of like grew around that and those two ideas kind of grew together very naturally. Um, and I think with all romance, you know, one thing that I, I love about romance and one reason I think that writers of any genre, if you want to write, you know, any kind of relationship should read some romance is that in romance, you really have to keep track of what those characters feelings are at every stage, you know, what and how they're evolving. And so, you know, here it was maybe a little bit truncated because we didn't have like the space of a whole novel to explore that. But I really tried to keep track of that. Um, in sort of the flashbacks where we see the build of their relationship mm -hmm. so that we could really buy that yes these two people did have a deeper connection there was really something there and that's why there's so much bitterness and hatred in the aftermath um and so making that arc and and you know the the feelings of those two characters work i really had to keep track of 
both of the, like what they were both feeling in every single scene. And that's something that I also do when I am constructing or revising uh, the romance threads in my books. Mm-hmm. I, I love romance in Star Wars. I wish there was like romance. I mean, I guess there's romance in pretty much all of the movies to some element, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I especially love it when it's in, in books and in just every medium yep. possible because <laughs> I love hugging and I I love all the kisses in Star Wars. I want more of it. And yeah. I think there are just so many great moments in this book that felt authentic because like the times that Afra just keeps falling over and stumbling <laughs> over herself. I'm like, those are definitely things I would do. And I relate to that. <laughs> yeah, she's very, very thrown by being attracted to someone because she definitely doesn't want that. Yeah, you you bring up a really great point too about this again that balancing act of I really like adventure, but I also like leisure and living. <laughs> and she's like, why can't I have both those things? I forget the yeah. exact line, but it's <laughs> something like that. And it, it kind of made me wonder in terms of like the hero's journey, right? Like Star Wars is so inspired by the hero's journey. And I was trying to think of like what Afra's hero's journey looks like, or maybe anti-hero, or how, however you might describe her. But there's always that central dramatic question of like, what is the purpose of of this hero's journey? Like, what are they trying to learn that they hadn't known before, right? And that's kind of their their spiritual transformation that they they go through. So, like, what do you what do you think for Afra? Like, what does her ultimate transformation look like? Like, what's for someone that thrives on so much chaos can she ever be truly fulfilled can she ever really have that (laughs) spiritually uplifting ending or is it going to be this constant seesaw her entire life you know i don't know i I think that afra would definitely like reject the idea of the hero's journey like i I feel like that (laughs) she would just decide that was not for her i mean i think her 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 sort of moment of transformation and revelation in this this you know short tale from her life is that she has to at one point admit to herself that she cares. And then of course she immediately rejects it and you know she says she's going to erase that part of the recording and all of that. <laughs> um, but I think that is like a big moment when she really realizes that she cares and she does want to keep living this life and you know all these things that she's been f- so flipping about are, are actually matter. And I think that's you know that's something a lot of us go through, especially those of us who maybe use bravado or use humor as this sort of defense mechanism because it means we never have to take anything seriously. Um, so I her, relate to like, that so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us do, right? It's like, so for her, it's sort of, she's sort of like, wow, you know, I definitely don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about anything serious or admit that anything matters. Um, but in the greater sense, I mean, I think that, that her journey is just, if she can just keep like sort of living this awesome life for as long as possible. Um, I think that uh, one thing that's come up a lot in interviews I've done for this book is that she's um, maybe one of the few characters in Star Wars who's always like having the best time. Like she's Mm -hmm. always living her best life. She's having such so much fun. Like she's doing exactly what she wants to do because she doesn't really see the point in doing anything else. And, you know, a lot of our our very classic heroes in Star Wars, they have their moments where they're having a good time, but a lot of the rest of it is not super fun. Like, trying to save the galaxy is not super fun. There's a lot of angst that goes with that. So I think if she could just, um, if she could just keep being sort of herself and having a good time being herself, then I feel like however her life ends, she will feel fulfilled in her journey. She is unabashedly herself, and that's, I think, what I love the, the most about her. 
your <laughs> your idea of her rejecting the hero's journey makes me laugh because I think of her in some like ancient library and she picks up a Joseph Campbell book and <laughs> like reads reads two sentences and goes, "Nah, I don't like that," and like yeah. chucks it off and you know whatever. But I, I yeah. think with with her, she just has such funny moments where even throughout the comics and in this where she's always after that that prize possession and that's and that is kind of like her having the best time of her life at all points right she wants to find that next treasure and she's not stealing anything she's uh she's uh, preserving it is is her is her motto liberating (laughs) yes and uh, you know i want to know from your perspective like how how when you boil her down to like all of her different characteristics like why why do you think she just truly stands out? Like what is what is it about Afra that is unlike any other character? Is it just the having good time all the time, or is there even more to it that that maybe is beneath the surface? I mean, yeah, I, I think like it's a lot of you know what we've been talking about. She is so chaotic. She is having the best time. She's not really like other characters in Star Wars who maybe have more, you know purely heroic or purely villainous journeys um she's you know kind of all over the place and she really won't let you put her in a box um so i think there's something that feels very fresh and very very liberating about that you know and she also has kind of this interesting like modern sensibility um like you can really see how brilliant it was for kieran to create her and then introduce her in the Darth Vader comics because he doesn't talk very much. He's very serious all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he's a, obviously a very compelling, iconic character, but on a comic book page, you kind of need someone to bounce off of that who can bring it to life a little bit more. And I think that's, you know, that's absolutely what she did. She just, so there's just something about her that pops immediately like as soon as she's on the page and she just kind of does what she wants and what feels good and I think that's something that we maybe haven't seen a ton of in um in in Star Wars or even in you know big franchises um so I think that's very refreshing and then I think the modern sensibility also kind of helps us feel like even though maybe we wouldn't do everything that she would do she's kind of our way in like she's sort of like this more modern seeming person who's commenting on all things star wars you know i think there's one point where she she says something about like a weekend or a holiday or a vacation and you're like oh does that huh do those sort of you know everyday like modern concepts do those exist in star wars like do they have a weekend in star wars i guess (laughs) they do because afra just commented on it um so i think there's a lot about her that is just super appealing and super different and you know because she is like a queer asian woman in this canon she also i think makes a lot of people feel seen again you know like we were talking about before like feel seen in this property that a lot of us have loved all of our lives but maybe have not felt particularly present in Mm -hmm. what a person too to bring this character to life and emily Wu zeller i mean (laughs) just absolutely incredible and that's one of my biggest takeaways is now i have a voice for afro when i when i read the comics i have a voice in my head finally and yeah. the, the way she brought her to life was just phenomenal w- what did the casting process look like do you do you kind of cast first and then help influence the work after that or did you have somebody in mind like initially where you're like that's who i want to play afro and i'm gonna try my best for it well i actually 
I had no idea who was in the cast. Um, I wasn't really part of that process. Like that was, mm-hmm. you know, I think with, especially with big license products like this, you're just like, cool, they've got it covered. Like that, gotcha. that's, you know, that's what they're doing. So Nick Martarelli, who is the amazing uh, producer of this audiobook, I think did a lot of that. And the cast, I mean, they are incredible. There's a lot of uh, voices that you've heard before in Star Wars and actors you've heard before in Star Wars. And um, Emily, it, it was exciting that they cast her. And I think, um, I don't think I found out who was in the cast actually until they were all done recording. Um, I think I found out that Emily was in the cast when we were like right before we were doing that panel for, uh, for Comic-Con. And what was kind of fun about that was, you know, I knew who Emily was because she is a very popular, very in-demand Asian American audiobook reader. So like a lot of my friends have had books performed by her. Like she's someone who's kind of been on my radar for a long time. And what was sort of fun about that was uh, I think just a week or two prior to me getting that email where it was like, here's who's in the cast, Emily Wuzeller is playing Afra. We had actually cast her to read the heroin complex books um yeah the there was a you know there was a deal that was for audio of the whole series so they're producing the whole series and um i think in the contract i had uh approval of you know whoever was going to narrate because obviously that's a big job and this the, the series has a very distinctive voice and you want that to be right so um they sent me some samples of different readers, different actors who um, specialize in audiobooks, and most of them were Asian American, and they're like, okay, here's some samples, listen to these, Um, and I remember uh, they said to me, "Um, if you can, please give us, like, a few options or, like, ranked options, just so, you know, just in case, like, scheduling doesn't work out for whoever you want, and then we'll go from there. And I was like, of course, I'm very professional. Like, of course I would do that. And then I listened to the samples and um, I was, I wrote back and I was like, I'm sorry. I, I just, it really has to be this person. And if you can do everything in your power to get Emily Wuzeller to read these books, uh, I just, I, I just don't think there's another choice for me. And mm-hmm. they were like, no, 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 we got it. It's important. Let's see what we can do. And so I think it was literally the week before I found out that she was Afra that I got the email saying like, okay, we got Emily, like she's excited. She's going to do all the books. Um, so it was, it was just really cool. And um, she is amazing, obviously. And I love her performance. And I, I feel like, you know, especially considering that um, all, pretty much all of the actors recorded in their houses separately mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the pandemic. And uh, I think for Dooku, they were able to record in a studio together. And that was originally going to be the plan with this. But with the pandemic, obviously, that couldn't happen. So they all recorded in their houses. And I think um, Nick, Martarelli, the producer, read um, all the other parts like opposite them. So that I think on the panel we were like, "Oh, release the Martarelli cut!" Like that's (laughs) yeah. Um, And uh, I think the only things they recorded people together for was they were able to get um, Emily and uh, Nicole Lewis, who plays Sana, to record some of the Sana Afro scenes together, so they could get that. Oh, wonderful! Like I think they recorded them on Zoom. 
Um, so just the fact that like they did all that and it still sounds like all of those people are recording together, I think is incredible. <laughs> and, you know, Emily really had the, the toughest job. I mean, she had to read 300 pages of internal monologue and I feel like she really killed it. And I think, you know, like you, that is Afro's voice now. That is the only thing I hear. And I think it's exciting that for a lot of people, she will, you know, when they hear Afra or they imagine Afra talking, they'll hear her. Mm -hmm. I love that you bring up the point. And I think Nick mentioned it in the Comic-Con panel as well about how when he would flip the script, it's like, oh, it's more Afra. Oh, it's more Afra. It's more <laughs> yeah. Afra. And it's a little different than Dooku, right? Because Dooku yeah. is this constant back and forth between different characters. But and then it brings up the idea of the unreliable narrator, which is such a, a prominent presence in star wars from so many different characters and telling things in a, in a first person point of view so from your perspective would you like to see more star wars stories told in this light and and like what do you think are what do you think is the importance of an unreliable narrator in this universe like what does it bring that's kind of that extra extra pizzazz well, I mean, I would love to see like all kinds of Star, Star Wars stories told all different ways. I think that's like one of the most exciting things about this big giant franchise with many sort of different media components is you can kind of tell all of these different stories and whatever is sort of the best format for a story can sort of be how it lives. And um, so for this, it was interesting because uh, we did, like, I think that was really the first choice we made. It was that this was going to be firmly in her POV. It was going to be her voice telling us this story. And um, that was obviously really fun because I feel like it just, it really conveyed Afra better than, you know, someone observing her from the outside, I think, ever could. Like, I think, like, she would obviously want to tell this story herself. <laughs> um, so I think that was really fun. And then as far as, like, the unreliable narrator part, that was something that um, Elizabeth really encouraged me to take advantage of, in particular, the fact that this was in the audio medium. So it was like, there are things that you can do that maybe wouldn't make sense in a different medium, like in prose or comics or whatever. So right. um, she was like, you know, really think about how you can use that like what are especially since you have this conceit of like she's making this recording like how would she how would that sort of express itself and so that was where we got things like you know her rewinding the recording and recording it again so she sounds better or like marking spots for deletion yes. or things like that <laughs> and I just I just thought you know obviously this character like if she gets to tell the story she's gonna make herself look as awesome as possible so I really wanted to take advantage of that while at this same time hopefully telegraphing to readers like okay you can you can gather from what is here what actually happened like you it's not like you're getting a fake version of events you're getting a real version of events it's still it's just filtered through someone's lens but hopefully you can still tell like what is actually happening um so that was just really fun because it, it was just this idea of like if someone like afro was like making this recording like how would she do it obviously she would have a lot of like judicious editing and sort of puffing herself up and all of that <laughs> um so you know that was really fun and I, I think like i you know i'd love to see uh more stories in star wars where you sort of do different things with mediums or like do different things because of the, the specificity of the character or like whatever it is um i i look forward to seeing more of that I hope we get one of these a year. And at this pace, it seems like that might be <laughs> the case. 
but fingers crossed and and certainly love to see you come back <laughs> in, in some format and, and write some more Star Wars. Oh, thanks. My, my last question for you on the Afro story would be looking at what you've been able to give to this character and pull from what's come before. What do you ultimately hope is the legacy of Afra for for Star Wars? I know it's a pretty like big question, but what do you really feel are her core components for when people will will remember her and continue to talk about her? Well, I think it's, you know, it's pretty incredible that she became so popular so fast, you know, that they're, they're like amazing, like Afra cosplayers that you can sort of point out by name, I think is, is just really cool. And um, I guess I hope that she just keeps get to having, she keeps getting to have her, her fun adventures and that they get told by, you know, a lot of different writers because she's very fun to write. And I'm, happy for other people to have that experience. I, you know, I hope that I get to write her again at some point. Um, and, you know, I, I just hope that it's, it's sort of going back to that thing of like, that she continues to make people feel seen and that hopefully putting her in some different mediums, you know, makes her influence spread a little bit wider. I know a lot of people have talked about how they would love to see her in a show or a movie or sort of make that debut on screen in Star Wars. I think that would be really cool. Um, but I just think it, it, it's, even if her legacy was just, you know, what already exists, it would already be really cool. And she would already stand out a lot and inspire, you know, cosplayers for generations to come. So I just kind of hope that there continues to be more of her and that she does, she is able to sort of go into different mediums and be introduced to new people who maybe don't know her yet. Um, and that, you know, she keeps getting to live her, her best life in the galaxy. Absolutely. I think she'll continue to live on. And I know in some respects, you know, Ahsoka really took off in, in Star Wars and really became such a, a household name. And I think Afra has that kind of trajectory. And I think people really cling on to her and really love her. And again, it's just all the characteristics we've talked about and the stories that she gets involved in and the constant like, how does she get out of that? How, how, how does she do that? She's not a force user. She's not a great pilot. She's not a whatever. She's just, she's just an average archaeologist that has a really good like intelligence for getting out of traps and getting out of these crazy situations. And yeah, she's just, she's just fantastic all around. Well, to, to wrap up the show, we like to do some rapid fire questions. It's not pop quiz or anything, but just some extra questions to really get to know you a little better. So my first question for you is, we've talked a lot about Afra, but in Star Wars overall, what Star Wars film speaks the most to you? Oh, I mean, it's probably still Empire. I think that, you know, that was the, the case for me for a long time. And because that's been my favorite since I was very small, I don't know if that could ever change. Um, but I do have certainly very warm feelings for many of them and, you know, mm -hmm. have, have probably rewatched them more than, than any other movies. Um, but Empire, I think, is still special. It, it, I think it has that very dramatic romance that I love so much. <laughs> you know, it ends on a cliffhanger, which was like, so wild like yes. back in the day um and it really i think it it really like brings out all of the characters in a way that was very appealing to me um so it's probably still that one great so afro is a very quotable character so i wanted to know is there a star wars quote that really sticks in with you the most and that you kind of always go back to when you think of the franchise 
Huh, that's a good question. You know, I don't know if there's like a specific quote, which is funny because I feel like one of the things that nerds love to do is like quote lines at each other of, you know, anything that we like. Um, I don't know if there's a specific line. I think that certainly as a, as a youth, I lived by all of Princess Leia's dialogue just because I felt like she was like, you know, so aggressive, which I think is like cool and was not really the case for, you know, a lot of the other kind of heroes I was seeing in or female heroes I was seeing in the, the franchises of that time. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like uh, Princess Leia and uh, Lois Lane in the, the Christopher Reeve Supermans were sort of my, yes. my idols. Um, so I feel like the, just that sort of aggressiveness that it might not <laughs> even be, be so much the lines as the way that Carrie Fisher says the lines um, that has certainly stuck with me forever. Absolutely. Carrie Fisher is is one for words and even some of her writing as well is just so yeah. funny and so great. And I, I miss her dearly, dearly every single day. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know. <laughs> yeah. Her legacy does live on though. Every every one of the words she's ever spoken in Star Wars is, is just so great. Yeah. If you had to use a single word to describe Dr. Aphra, which one would you use? I mean, I think it would have to be chaos. Like that's, that's <laughs> that just like kind of sums her up in a nutshell and, and really says it best. Yeah. So I know you're, or at least I assume you are a big Birds of Prey fan. Yes. Um, I've seen some posts from you that give that indication. <laughs> and I want to know, do you see any, any similarities between Dr. Afra and, and Harley Quinn? I feel like there's a little bit of a, like a Venn diagram between the two and there definitely is some overlap in the middle. Oh, yeah. I, I feel mean, like I, those characters are just like really mesh well together. I, I want to see them as a crossover. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, there is that anarchy. There's that sense of chaos. There's that sense of like empowerment, but on their own terms. Like it's maybe not what we classically think of as empowerment, but it is mm-hmm. because it, that, you know, that is on their own terms. Um, yeah, yeah, I would love to see. I think someone mentioned that on Twitter, like what would happen if they if they met each other and I sort of like, cause they, they are so similar in certain ways. I just wonder, I, I, I think my question was like, would they fight or would they sleep together? Would they kill each other? Would they do all of those things? I feel like they're both such creatures of excess. They would probably do like everything you can imagine. Um, so that would certainly be a lot of fun. I want to see somebody write that fan fiction at least. So I, <laughs> I would read it. <laughs> We talked about Afra being brought into live action at some point. Maybe that would happen in the future. Um, is there anybody in your mind that you would you would fan cast or would like to maybe see take up the the mantle of Afra? I don't know. I, you know, I think that would that it would maybe have to be a search that involved both established actresses and uh, newcomers and really finding that perfect chaotic energy, I think would be a challenge. But I think there are a number of actresses who are up to the task. You know, I think it used to be that people could really only name one Asian American actress and that's certainly not, hopefully not true anymore. So the fact that there could be like a number of contenders is is exciting to me. And um, I would, you know, I would love to see that. I would love to see kind of what she looks like and how she would come to life on screen. And, you know, I, I don't think that I have like a certain person in mind, but I, I feel like there could be a lot of good options for that. Mm-hmm. It's a very fair answer. And I'm excited if that ever happens to see who they yes. choose. So <laughs> I'm waiting. I want to know, has Afra taught you 
anything about yourself or at least maybe the process of of writing her right because i think every project you can kind of pull like a new thing uh about what you're doing or take value from or find meaning in like one thing it taught me was that i could write that fast because um (laughs) you know most most projects like this where it's licensed and it's a big property a lot of times the deadlines are, are pretty pretty quick pretty close together um i think i got that job in like november late november maybe and then we were done by um maybe march um and that was like you know all all revisions and everything so i guess it taught me that that i could like write pretty fast (laughs) Um, i hear that a lot with star wars authors it's always like i had to do this very fast i had (laughs) like almost no time but it was like yeah (laughs) it's like a thrill i mean i guess you're kind of like afra you're like pushing yourself through the the chaos and the thrills and you kind of just have to go for it and hope that it turns out okay (laughs) um and you know obviously like elizabeth my editor was so amazing and really helped and like made sure that like those timelines worked and she she's just awesome so yeah so I want to know among the Star Wars projects that have been announced is there anything in particular that you are are very excited for Hmm, that's a good question I mean I think that like you know I I love it all I and I especially it's it's exciting now I think because uh there are so many amazing authors and writers that I can count as friends who are also getting to play in this universe. You know, I'm, I was so excited to hear that Alyssa Wong was going to do, you know, get to do her take on Afra and mm-hmm. to put her voice into that. Like that was, that was super cool. And I've really been enjoying the run on that comic. And, um, you know, one of my, my best friends is Amy Ratcliffe, who's written a lot of Star Wars stuff and has some more books coming out. And it's been really cool to sort of like get to, to see that and get to talk to her about it. And, you know, I got to use, um, she wrote that, uh, that really cool like coffee table book that sort yeah, of like women of the started. galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that book I think is beautiful. beautiful. And, what was fun about that was like, I, I got to use, I've been able to use it twice now for research. Um, so I got to use it for Afra, like just to kind of check the basic bio and the facts that were canon and like stuff like that. And then I also, um, there was a novella in the, the heroin complex series called Unsung Heroine, which was about um, a very popular side character. And um, the romance in that was like, she's trying to sort of woo this woman that she's had a crush on forever. Um, and like, it's like, will they get together? Will they, will they not get to like, what's gonna happen? And part of their sort of, um, when they're sort of first like getting to know each other, she finds out um, that this, you know, this woman she has such a big crush on is like kind of a secret geek. And her passion is that she writes fan fiction about um, Padme and the Handmaiden. <laughs> And so she's like talking about that. And so like, I was like, oh, like, let me just look up Padme and the Handmaidens in Amy's book <laughs> so I can get all the, the facts that I need. Um, so yeah, that, that was a long way of saying probably anything written by my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and my last question for you is, what does Star Wars ultimately mean to you? Oh, uh, I would say hope. I mean, 
it's, I think like what is still deeply resonant about that is that, you know, that, that whole, that line that, you know, rebellions are built on hope, like just this sort of idea that even, and I think probably a lot of us need this right now, um, when things seem mm -hmm. like they're really bad, when it just seems like you aren't going to get a win, when it seems like everything is hopeless, there are still people who are fighting really hard to make things right. Um, and you know, if you're, if you're tired of fighting, there's someone else who's getting up there to, to fight on your behalf. And so I think that that is a very powerful message um, that has endured for years and years and years. And so when I think of Star Wars, I think the first thing I think of is hope and how um, stories can kind of give us that and give us the reason to keep fighting and keep going. Absolutely. I think Star Wars is that, I think you said it exactly perfect. And it feels so important in, in today's age. And I look to Star Wars for hope so often, you know, like when I feel down in the dumps, I always go back to this story. And it's, it, that's the reason I think, because it's, it's just filled with that. And it gives you a, a picture of like, you know, even in the darkest times, there is still a bit of light. And uh, I go back to, to go back to Leia's quote to end on, um, one of my favorite quotes from her is hope is like the sun if you only believe in it when you see it you'll never make it through the night so that's like yeah i think just the best star wars quote ever <laughs> honestly it's just that's so good yes <laughs> yeah so sarah thank you so much for coming on the show today it was such a pleasure to talk to you and thank you for taking the time out of out of your day to come on friends of the force so last thing i'd like to ask you is where can people find you online to follow your work and what do you have coming up that you can discuss yeah, um, so uh, I'm on Twitter a lot, probably when I'm on there a lot, it's because I'm supposed to be doing something else, but uh, I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm just my name on there, Sarah Kuhn, K-U-H-N. On Instagram, I'm Sarah Kuhn Books, and uh, I do have a website that I, I think probably I need to update several times, um, but that's just heroinecomplex.com. That's heroin like superheroin, not like the drug, um, and <laughs> Uh, as far as other projects, um, we just released the fourth book of Heroin Complex. It's called Haunted Heroin. It's set during Halloween. Um, and I'm working on the next book in that series, which will come out next year. Um, I also, uh, earlier this year, uh, we released um, from DC a graphic novel called Shadow of the Batgirl, which, speaking of Birds of Prey, is about Cassandra Kane, And uh, that was with the artist Nicole Gu. It's another, you know, awesome character that I, I love. And then I just had another graphic novel come out uh, with the artist J-Bone that is actually a, an Archie middle grade. So it's a graphic novel about Betty and Veronica in middle school with all their friends. It's very cute. Um, that just came out. And then, yeah, just working on, working on some secret stuff and working on some stuff for next year. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to see what comes down the pipe. And again, fingers crossed that you return back to the, the Star Wars universe. We need you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> with that being said, Sarah, may the force be with you. Thank you. And you as well. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Friends of the Force. Make sure wherever you're listening to rate us five stars and leave a review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash friendsoftheforce. We have some major changes coming up very, very soon to Patreon, so you're going to want to check that out. 
Thank you to our current patrons, Amy, Anna, Cheryl, Deborah, Donnie, Ella G, Marie Claire, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, and T. So that is all for this week. We will see you next time here at Friends of the Force. And until then, we are one with the Force. We are Friends of the Force. And may the Force be with you always. Friends of the Force is a proud member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. To learn more about our sister shows, find us on Twitter at We Are Escape Pods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.